before we get into what we're going to talk about tonight, I want to recap last week. Last week we talked about false teachers, and that pretty, pretty smoothly will transition us into this week because we're going to kind of continue on that thread, but Paul kind of becomes a jerk um, in the way he talks about him, and it's kind of funny. Um, last week we talked about how he challenged the Corinthians to really take a deep look at who they were following, at what they were teaching, at the reason behind these claims and what they were doing. Um, Chris talked about how we need to trust but fair, verify what's being said and verify what the motivation is. Um, and in that verification, pray for wisdom, pray for discernment. And we're going to pick up on that same line tonight. And, and I want to start off uh, by reading kind of the first section because it really sets up how Paul is going to talk in this chapter. Um, he says this in verses uh, 16. He says, I repeat, let no one... Take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. Basically, what Paul is saying is... No, no go back to that one, sorry. Basically, what Paul is saying is, Listen, you, you, you talk to people like they're fools. They boast like they're fools. And what he means when he says fool, he's really talking like, I'm a crazy person. When I talk to you like a crazy person, um, you kind of suffer me as a crazy person. So, so I'm going to do that now. So he's, he's setting them up to understand how he's writing this section of this letter. Paul typically is super wise. He's no nonsense. He calls you out on the stuff that you're, you're failing at. That's the type of leader he is, but not in this case. In this case, Paul is stooping to their level. He's coming down to their level saying, hey, you know what? If the way to get through to you is to boast like everyone else does, then I'm going to do it too. But suffer me like you would a fool. Take me for a fool. I love that he starts with, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do... Then, then tolerate me like that. And right now, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to boast. So he continues in verse 19. says, you gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs to slap you in the face. To shame, I admit that we are too weak for that. What is he saying? He's saying, well, you put up with fools because, I mean, I have to say it. As, as you would. You gladly put up with fools because you're so wise. You're the smartest ones ever. Oh my gosh, of all the churches I've planted, you guys are the smartest. So put up with me like you'd put up with everybody else. And he says here, and this is important, he says, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you. He's specifically talking about these teachers. You are enslaved by the way they're teaching. You're trapped by them. We have this long-standing relationship. I planted this church with you. I spent a year and a half with you. And yet these people come in and they they put on these airs. They, they, They take from you. They enslave you. They exploit you. And yet you're okay with it. And he says, to my shame, I admit, we're too weak for that. Basically, I'm sorry that we didn't do that to you. If that's what you want, I'm so sorry. You see what I mean by Paul's being kind of a jerk. He's talking to them like they're children. Like, oh, that's what you wanted? Oh, I'm sorry. But he's also stating that, and this is a, this is a through line, and we're going to continue on this line, is he's talking in his weakness. This is my weakness. I'm too weak to do that to you. I'm so sorry that I didn't take advantage of you. I'm so sorry I didn't exploit you. And if you remember last week, Chris even uh, brought up the fact that Paul said, I would never do that to you. 
He said, I would never take from you. He says, these people come and they take your money and they, 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 they want to be you know, put up for free and all this stuff. And he says, we have never and we will never do that. And here he's saying, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. Obviously being very facetious. He uses a few words here who are, who are, which are intended to be dramatic. Uh, first he says that they are enslaved. Then he says that they're, they're, uh, uh, they're being taken advantage of, that they put on airs. Basically what he means by that is they're, they're, they kind of make themselves up to be bigger than they are. Right? They put on nice clothes or whatever. And, and I love the way that he says, and they slap you in the face. You know, as a wealthy person would. Get out of my way. Right? And they get slapped in the face. And they're okay with it. And that's what Paul is saying. And he's talking all about these teachers. They look good. They talk good. They act good. And they smell good. And because of their outward appearances, the Corinthians are trapped. These teachers are taking advantage of their devotion, their money, and their care. And we learned last, last week that Paul claimed they had never and would never take from them. This is a metaphorical slap in the face that Paul is really living in. And so really what we need to do um, when it comes to things like this, and this kind of, again, falls in line with what we talked about last week, is we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what's being said. It's so easy. I mean, we, most of us in here had a conversation before service started. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, are we paying attention? Am I just accepting what is being said to me because someone has a microphone in hand? Or am I really challenging that? I mean, Chris and I say this all the time, but everything we say, you guys should challenge. Go home and read it for yourself. Don't take what I'm saying at face value because if I'm wrong, don't, don't follow that. Now, I spent a long time on this. I don't think I'm wrong. But if I'm wrong, I want you to challenge. I want you to do the due diligence. I want you to go out and look at the scriptures yourself and, and really read through it and find out what is Paul saying. Because when it comes to this church or any other church, when you listen to someone speak, it is easy to get lost in fancy words or nice clothes. We need to pay attention to what is being said. Ignore the outward and pay attention to to what is happening, to what is being said, to what is being taught. And when we do those things, then we will truly know what God's intention is. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, we are constantly interacting with people, and some people are great salesmen. Um, my wife and I were watching this show uh, this week, and it was cool. I like cars, and it was this show where they, it's kind of weird, I'm not going to explain the whole premise, but essentially they take cars, old cars, they make them look really cool, they trade them, then they sell them, or, or whatever, right? Really cool. And the salesman that they have, his name is Sean, he's a very good salesman. I remember we watched this, and I was thinking, this guy's good. Like, this guy would sell you the shirt on your back. He's good. He's very charismatic, real kind of like fun, real bouncy, and he's a good salesman. And so there's this episode where they made this car, and they bring this car to this, this lady, and, and, and as they're bringing this car to this lady, it's this bug that they like, made it this really cool hot ride. It was really, really cool. I, and at first I was kind of like, eh, that's kind of lame. And then I was like, yeah, it's pretty sick. Anyways, <laughs> so they're bringing this car to this lady, and the owner, who's like the main guy in the show, and then the salesman, they're driving, and he goes, hey, man, just know she's a friend. And he's like, well, look, this car turned out a lot better than I thought it was. We built this car out of shop parts that we already had, so they didn't spend any money on it except for time. And he's like, we could make a buck off of this. He's like, I think I'm going to sell it to her for like 
$25,000. And he's like, she only has a budget of twelve. So they get there, they drop the car, and she comes out, she's like, oh my gosh, it's so cool, it's really, oh, this is more than I expected, oh, this is great. She sits in it, right, he, he lets her kind of check it out, and he goes, okay, I'm going to do a deal for you. You know, we, we spent a lot of time on this, and it looks really good, and I'm going to give it to you for 25000 And she goes, that's doing a deal? And they end up come, going back and forth, and they get it down to like fourteen or whatever, but... He starts off every conversation, because we saw him sell like a handful of cars, and he always starts off like that. I'm going to give you a deal. I'm going to help you out. You know, it's, it's really a sacrifice for us, because we're, you know, we're really not going to make that much on this, so I'm going to do a deal for you. And she, but she paid attention. Wait a minute. You're going to give me a deal? You know my budget, first of all. You're a friend. But 25000 more than 10000 over what I have. How is that a deal for me? She paid attention. She was aware of it. Now, that guy's not a bad guy, right? He's not, he's trying to make a buck. It's his business. It's what he does. But she was paying attention. Whereas everybody else is kind of like, mm, I don't know. And then they come really close. I mean, we watched one episode where uh, they ended up making more than they wanted to on the car because the guy was such a good salesman. He was a killer salesman. But they weren't paying attention. And this lady was. We need to open our eyes and see what's going on around us. It shouldn't take a sarcastic Paul to make us aware of what's going on. Unfortunately for the Corinthians, that's what it took. Paul continues with this sarcasm, but it's about to get really good, and he kind of gets more serious. In verses 21 and 23, he says, Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. So remember, I'm speaking as a fool. Just want to reiterate that I'm speaking as a fool. I'm speaking as a crazy person, so bear with me. I also will dare to boast about it. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? And I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Paul is playing what I like to refer to as tit for tat. Um, are they Hebrews? Yeah, me too. Israelites? Uh-huh. Abraham's descendants? Yup. Are they servants of Christ? Well, I'm better. Why am I better? Oh, I've, been in, I've worked a lot harder. I've been in jail a lot more times. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Does he know that these guys haven't done all this stuff? Not necessarily. But by their outward appearance, he pretty much knows he pretty much knows. Paul plays um, the favorite game of most five-year-olds, which is the Me Too game. Me Too. I did that too. Yep, Me Too. But this is where Paul kind of tones his sarcasm back, and he gets a little more serious. Bear with me. I'm going to read through quite a bit. He says this. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Remember that, the Jews. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, again, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and was often without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, 
I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Who's led into sin? And I, don't do, and I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. One would call that a uh, resume uh, or a criteria or a credential. Paul's credentials do not lie, uh, or Paul's credentials rather do lie in what he has accomplished and what he has suffered. He is who he is, not simply by what he says, but also by what he does. This goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago when he said, I may not do, or I may not say all these things rather when I'm with you, but I do them. That's Paul's big point. Is that I might not be as lofty as these people. I might not present as well as these people, but I do the dang thing. It may not be what you want it to be, but I'm doing it. I'm out there. I've been in jail. I've been flogged. I've been shipwrecked. He didn't say he'd been poisoned, but he had. What I find interesting, too, is that he points out twice that the things had happened to him by the Jews. Which is a big point to make because he's also saying, you did this to me, but I keep coming back for more. It's a sarcastic point, that he's making and, and listing all these things out. But he's doing it so that they will see it's not about what you look like. It's all about what you do. The perception of Paul compared to these teachers is, or was rather, weakness. But Paul says, I don't feel weak. I might be bow-legged, I might be short, I might be bald but I don't feel weak. He felt powerful because he was led and called and acted through God. He had a motivation, and his motivation was to expand the kingdom. His motivation was to show God and share God to anyone who he could. His his motivations were pure. And every time that he was with the Corinthians and he met someone new, they shared who Christ was. And that's my second point. Do not just represent, represent. We can represent Christ, that's fine, right? That's what we should do. But every time, represent who Christ is. It's so easy for us to just do instead of and just kind of be around. But clearly, people don't notice that. I was a janitor for, for nine months, and I loved it. I loved it and hated it. I worked nights, so it was, that sucked. But I really liked it. Um, I really liked it. And one thing that I was told when I started was, no one will ever thank you. You do a thankless, you'll do a thankless job. And not only will you do a thankless job, but no one will ever Thank, or no one will ever notice because it's what people expect. And so my boss made it a point to thank us. Right? He made it a point to 
every, uh, every so often, just go, hey, thanks so much, you're doing a good job. Which sometimes, you know, it, it, it was what it was, you know? It was like, okay, you're just saying that. But other times, it was like, wow, that really means a lot to me. When you just do, not a lot of people will notice, right? It's the, I mean, and I, I live in this mentality of if you see something that needs to be done, just do it, right? Serving is seeing a need, having the ability to meet it, and meeting it. Right? You don't need to. I'm now going to do this thing. This man is hungry. I am now going to feed him. I have the means. It is here in my hand. I'm now handing it to him. Sir, do you enjoy it? He enjoys it. I have done my deed for the day. I will now leave. We don't need to, to, to boast about what we're doing. But in those opportunities, in those times where we are serving people, or we are uh, representing Christ, or we are you know, bringing a meal to someone in need, or visiting someone in the hospital, or going out to see a friend who's sick, in those times, that's your opportunity to represent Christ to them. Do you know why I'm doing this? It's not because I want brownie points. It's not because I want people to notice how good of a person I am, because I'm awesome. But it's because Christ called me to this. Whenever you see someone who's naked without clothes and you gave them clothes, whenever you saw someone in prison and you visited them, whenever you fed someone who was hungry, you did it to me. Why do I do this? Because it's what I'm called to do. Because that's what Christ called us to do. Because Christ called us to love our neighbors. Share them. It's not about me. It's not about Paul. Paul could care less if his name gets smeared through the mud. His concern is that these people are being led astray. His concern is that I planted this church, I instilled in you these Christian morals, you guys were on the right track, and then all of a sudden you take a sharp left turn. Why? Because these people are leading you down the wrong path. And clearly the only way that I can get through to you is by making a fool of myself. But notice, I don't do it for me. Paul ends in his weakness. In verses 31. The God and Father of Lord Jesus, who is praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In fact, in Damascus, the governor under King Arteus had the city of the the Damascus guarded guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Is that a cool story? Not really. I mean, think about it. What were these baskets used for? It's a big basket, right? It fits a man. Typically, these baskets were meant to move fish and bread and blankets. What would be a cool story? A cool story would be, hey, you're Samson, right? Hey, guys, we're supposed to kill Samson. I gotta go. Bam, bam. Rips the gates of the city off, off of its hinges and walks out of the city. That's a cool story. That's a, that's a warrior of God, right? That's a cool story. Or someone come, I'm just using Samson as an example because he's got a lot of cool stories. Oh, yeah, I got to do is bind me with a brand new rope. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, thanks for telling me, Samson. Binds with a brand new rope. Breaks the rope, kills all the guards. That's a cool story. Kills 40 men with a jawbone of a donkey. That's a cool story. Lower down, escapes a city in a basket, 
that was lowered down. That probably smelled like fish. That's embarrassing. But what did Paul say? If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Right? Paul easily, which he had done later, he easily could have been like, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do this to me. Or, I work for the Pharisees. You can't do this to me. Right? He could have done that. He could have, he could have shown his authority. But he didn't. He sheepishly escaped a city in a fishy basket. But why? So that he could continue to share who God was. So that he could go to Athens and meet these people who were worshiping an unknown God and say, hey, I can tell you all about who that is. So that he could go to Ephesus and teach them who God was and plant a church and show them how to do what God called them to do. So that he could do this again and again in cities all over the Middle East and Europe. So that he could start a movement that would ultimately impact the king of this empire. So that he could do all these things so that you and I would sit here today and talk about who Jesus was. That's why he did it. Conrad, he come up. It's not about a cool story. It's not about your name and lights. Paul's contention with these false teachers is a perspective that the Corinthians had that made them better or more worthy of apostleship than he was because of a certain criteria that they deemed worthy. Paul bites back with sarcasm, but is also honest in saying that he is also a Jew and a follower of Christ and therefore is still worthy. He says more worthy, but what he means is I am also worthy. But look at the things I've done for you. It's easy for us to see uh, someone else and use that, uh, that goal as our goal for a Christian. Am I worshiping as much as they are? Am I serving as much as they are? Am I giving as much as they are? Does that make them a better believer or a better follower? Does that make them a better Christian? You know what I like to do? I like to ask myself, what do I love doing? And how can I use that to serve people? I'll tell a quick story, and then we'll sing one more song. I, have, uh, I know a guy. His name's Brian. And he... Um, is a great painter. He's a really good painter. And he saw a need. He saw these homeless people. He lives in Santa Ana. He saw these homeless people. And he said, I want to do something for them. But I don't have any money. I'm not wealthy. I, 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 he works for Hyundai as a day job, but he's a really good artist. So he decides he's going to ask a homeless person, hey, can I paint your portrait? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell that portrait and I'm going to give you the money. And we're going to make a plan for what you're going to do with that money, but I'm going to give you the money. So he does. One time. And he makes like 1200 bucks, right? Which is killer. So he starts to do it again. And again. And again. And again. And again. And again. Until he's got this whole studio of paintings of homeless people. 
And he's radically changing people's lives. Because he found something that he loved doing. And he also found a way to bless people with it. Two things. Well, three things. One. Romans 12.2, which is kind of our core verse, which is our core verse, says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Simple. Don't conform. Be transformed. And I would go even further and say be transforming. It's easy for us to inwardly take it. It's hard for us to give it. To transform someone else's life. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's being said to you. To what's happening around you. So that you can use that to serve others. And don't just represent, represent. Every time and every way. Because I tell you the truth, people will forget. Oh, well, Gene always comes and he, he always checks the tire pressure in my tires and fills it up if I need it. And he always brings me some water when he comes. Well, why does he do that? Because he's nice? No. I know that I don't serve because I'm nice. Because I'm not. I'm kind of a jerk. I got better things to do. I don't want to serve you. But that's what God called me to. I don't want to be here right now. I want to be sitting on my couch. I want to be kicking back with an ice cold water bottle. Because I don't drink. But that's what, this is what God called me to. God has called us to serve. God has called us to do something bigger than ourselves. Represent that every time. Hey, I mean, it could be as simple as, hey, have a great day. I'm glad I could help you. Remember, Jesus loves you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why they do it. That's why they do it. I mean, I'm not a Christian, but that's why they do it. Good for them. But every single time. And then they go, you're different. And I like that. Let's sing one more song. And then you guys can go. (laughs) 